From Air Force officer to military spouse to entrepreneur, Trisha Legray-Smith has seen the ups and downs of running a business as a military veteran entrepreneur. Luckily, she's taken photos along the way and can share her story about starting and growing her photography business with us today on the Financial Operating Base. Welcome to the Financial Operating Base, a podcast and community to help you, the veteran entrepreneur, to navigate the terrain and accomplish your mission of business success. And joining us today, we have Trish Allegre-Smith, the owner and principal principal photographer at Photography by Trish Allegre-Smith. Trish, thanks for joining us today. You're welcome, and thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, let's dive right in. Um, just tell us about your time in the military and how you transitioned to um, family life and entrepreneurship. So I came into the military through an Air Force ROTC scholarship. Um, I went to Georgetown for four years and ROTC was a great way to pay for school and give me some real life experience. Um, I was great at academics, but I knew I was uh, lacking a little bit of real world experience. And so it seemed like a great transition for me. Um, went in and I wasn't expecting to stay for very long. I thought, okay, this would be a great time, you know, uh, do the time that's required and then move on to the next thing with my career. I ended up uh, staying longer than I thought uh, I came in, I started off in aircraft maintenance. That was the last thing I expected to do when I majored in finance and left with a degree in that. Um, but it was, it was awesome to see what the military was like, what our, you know, the 1% of our population actually does. Um, and it gave me just a, a, a bigger perspective of the world. And that is especially true when 9-11 came because I came in in 99 and two years later, here we have, you know, 9-11 happen. And, you know, at first I joined because I needed to pay for college. 9-11 happened and I stayed because that was my duty. That was what I, where I needed to be, what I needed to do. So that decision of doing ROTC and then coming in, everything just made sense because I felt this was the place I needed to be. Um, we, I was one of the first deployments out um, first fighter wing, we came out probably only a couple months after I was um, deployed. Uh, we celebrated Thanksgiving and Christmas all together right before leaving um, and then just left off. And I was there for a few months at Prince Sultan Air Base in Saudi Arabia. Um, and it was, it was a life-changing experience. All the people that I deployed with, I'm still friends with today. Um, and it just gave me a perspective as what it meant to serve your country, what it meant to be in the military. You know, before then we had, um, we, we joke about that where you'd have a deployment that was a long deployment that was maybe 60 days, right? And now we look at deployments now at six months to a year. But I went into that, came back and, um, you know, had this renewed commitment, stayed in, uh, ended up getting married to another officer. I met my husband. Actually, we were we got to um, engaged on my first deployment. So, <laughs> wow. yes, I know 9/11 really just uh, just kind of accelerated everything. It really made everything clear as to what you were called to do, what where you really meant to be with. Um, and we got engaged right on that deployment. It took us 
uh, over a year before we actually got married, just between our deployments and our ops tempo, before we could actually have a, a time when we could get married. <laughs> um, but uh, from there, you know, I, we, I stayed, I went from aircraft maintenance and then I got pulled into acquisitions as a program manager. And so that gave me, you know, having that hands-on experience and then having additional experience that I could also apply when I first joined the military that I thought, oh, I can transition what I learned in the active duty into the real world. And working in acquisitions as a program manager where you're actually working on, um, for me, it was armament programs or weapons programs. And you're looking everything from um, the idea of it forming to you know, coming up with the budget to actually executing in the field. So seeing something from the very beginning growing to the very end. That was an, you know, another incredible experience I wouldn't have otherwise had had I not joined the military and had I not been brought into that career field. And I stayed, so I was um, six years active duty and then I transitioned to the reserves. And this was as my husband and I got married, trying to find a way between our two um, Air Force specialty codes that we could stay together. We really didn't want to, what they call geo-batching it, we really didn't want to be as separated if we could help it. For us, family is very important. So as long as we could stay together, we were going to figure out a way. Um, for me, it was, I had the more flexible specialty code. So being able to do reserves, I did the IMA program, or Individual Mobilization Augmentee program. And I did that for a, quite a few years until we got to the one base. And I know people are running into this right now. I got to the one base where we just could not make childcare work. You know, I, I get to this base, he has a command position, I have a position that's gonna be open, opening up for me, but we just could not make childcare work. Um, it just wasn't available um, on base for us at the time. And then we were at one of those bases that's just far enough away from major cities, metropolitan areas, where if you try to get a nanny or an au pair, it's just not one of those uh, places where you can attract that many people. So that was a hard stop for me. And that was a thing where both of us were working together. Well, which one of us has enough experience and can easily transition what, I, you know, what we've done in the military to a civilian career. And that's where it was an easier decision for me to be able to do that. But it was still hard. This is before you see all of this push for military spouses to start their own businesses and do remote employments. You know, this is very rel relatively early. This was, so my son is uh, 10 now. So this is 10 years ago when this happened. And um, it's still, it really wasn't, you know, to telecommute, to do remote work, really wasn't talked about that much. So I ended up being a full-time volunteer and um, taking two years off. So I was a stay-at-home mom who somehow still worked full-time as a volunteer on base. You bring up an interesting point in that um, we speak to both, you know, military veteran entrepreneurs um, mm -hmm. here on the podcast as well as spouse entrepreneurs. Yes. Um, and I think what you were just getting to is it almost feels like um, the opportunities for veterans once they're done and civilianized to be entrepreneurs is one thing. But yeah. for the spouses that still have their counterpart spouse on active duty, yes. it's a bit different entrepreneurship experience. So sort, sort of talk about when you were at that point in your career, in your life, then what led you to the entrepreneurship path? So 
this was the part where when as a military spouse, when you still have an active duty uh, member that you're following along, you have to design some type of career that is mobile either career or a business that's mobile. You, you don't have the advantage of being in one spot and being able to develop that network. You have to have something that can go with you wherever you go. And um, I, be, I consider myself an accidental entrepreneur. So photography is something that I love to do as a hobby. And what ends up happening is that you do it as a hobby and then people ask you to, for help. Either they, oh, you know, we have this retirement. Oh, we don't have anybody taking pictures. Is there any way you can do this? Or we have this promotion. Can you come and, you know, show up? Or we have this event. And then it just starts by accident where people are asking you for things um, and for help. And then it comes down to, oh, wait a minute, we're starting to pay you. And the more and more money you make, depending on which state you're in or how many people notice, you, you want to make sure that you're, uh, you report the income that you're making and um, you start at least when I got to Virginia, it became a lot more money. Not only were people asking me to help cover events because they needed me as a second or third photographer or the prime photographer because somebody forgot to arrange for that, but also a real estate uh, photography started coming in where um, there were I, a couple of realtors said, hey, can you help me? Because my photographer fell out and I really need to list this. And the more and more you do it, the more money you're making. And definitely in the state of Virginia where I really picked up that business, I was making enough where I'm like, okay, this is noticeable. I really need to make sure that I'm doing this correctly. You know, do I have a business license? You know, making sure that I'm filing for taxes. That, so all of that really took off in 2013. So talk us through any of the transition that you went through, any of the lessons that you learned when you went from sort of a, a hobby, as you said, into, okay, I'm actually going to run this as, as a business to grow and, and build profits. Yes, I had the transition from the military that was not planned. This is not what I would recommend to people. I would definitely recommend at least thinking about what your transition would look like, even if you're not quite ready. Because everybody says, oh, well, you know, that's, we'll, we'll plan our transition, you know, when we put our paperwork in or, you know, a couple of years down the road. You just, I'm the lesson of, you never know when that transition is going to happen. So just think about what that's going to look like. You know, I was very lucky. Um, mine was by an accident, but I learned a lot of painful lessons along the way. Um, I didn't realize how much of my time, you know, right now, maybe 20% of my time, if I'm lucky, is actually spent doing photography. 80% of it is everything that you have to do to run a business. And I did not realize that up front. I really thought it was going to be opposite, where I would do 80% would be photography and 20% would be all the admin queep, where, you know, you'd be keeping track of the books and doing this marketing and everything. And it's, and it's completely flip-flopped. Um, that was a very painful lesson, and it's one that I'm still, you know, working on and constantly on top of. Um, so, go ahead. So, what advice would you give um, someone that's in the process of sort of figuring it out, and then kind of where are you now? Um, the best advice I could give is to actually pick the brain of another small business owner or even volunteer to do like an externship or internship or, or work part-time with a, another business owner. So you can see the behind the scenes 
Um, for the interns that I've had that have taken on or anybody who's helped me on my team, they've learned so much just by helping out, even if it's part-time, because they get to see everything that happens behind the scenes and not just what they think is about to happen. Now you, you mentioned with uh, interns and working with experienced people, um, we'd love to hear, uh, apparently you're quite, uh, not just a functional business photographer, but you're quite an artist. Um, yes. So why don't you tell us about sort of the competitive side um, of photography and how that allows you to express, uh, you know, you, creative things, um, you know, rather than, uh, you know, maybe doing more functional things that a client needs on a daily basis. So um, I have been an artist for as long as I can remember. From the time I was a kid, uh, you know, I've been with a camera since I was nine years old. I have done watercolors, I have done sketching, and I have been in competitions ever since I was a kid. Um, and I continue that as an adult because when you start turning your passion into a business, you will always, you always cater to the client. One, because you want to develop that relationship and you want to keep the client happy, but also because that's what you're paid to do. You're paid to make them, you know, whatever product you need to produce. It looks great for the client. It helps the client out, but it doesn't necessarily benefit me or our team creatively. It doesn't push us to the edge versus when you are going to competitions, you're competing and you are producing work to, um, compete with your peers. It pushes you to the edge. It makes you a little bit better. It pushes you out of your comfort zone. And you don't have to, you know, all you're trying to do is you're being your best self. You don't necessarily have to make anyone else happy other than yourself. And that just gives you work that you otherwise would never have had the time to produce. But doing a competition, it sets that date on the calendar. It gives you, um, some boundaries to work in and it just gives you this opportunity to really come up with something that's just beautiful that is really your passion and that it keeps that spark alive so that you don't lose it when you're doing that business part can you share any um any art focused or, or projects or competitions you're involved in currently so I just finished submitting for the CG Pro Prints um, competition, uh, National Portrait Competition. Um, did not make it as a finalist this time, but I'll try again next year. And the next one coming up is the International Photographic Competition, and I enter it through the um, Professional Photographers of America um, Association. That's the professional industry association I'm a member of. It happens once a year and you compete internationally. So it's, it is, um, I look forward to that every year. And this year they, they delayed the entries because of COVID. So it's nice to have a little extra time to come up with something. I, I'm old enough to remember when there wasn't an internet, but, uh, <laughs> but, 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 but living in a digital world now, the way we have, and, and I think the one example you brought up was um, doing photographs for um, realtors. Mm -hmm. um, just what are the different ways that that this more digital visual age has really changed photography and maybe made different opportunities available for you so for me it's been um it's it's a double-edged sword so with everybody being digital there's also increases the ability for people to take their own photos so sometimes you know you have that trying to explain to, to people that it's more than just the technology that's at hand 
you know, part of it is the technology, part of it is the, you know, all the equipment that you can use. The other part of it is the art. It's that comes with hours of experience. It comes with practice. It comes with being having a particular perspective and being able to see things that others can't. So that's, that's one side of it is explaining that. The other side in terms of opportunity is that because people are out there, they need higher quality images than they could otherwise produce on their own. Um, and that's especially true, like right now doing this recording, a lot of folks now that they're on, you know, whether they're Zoom or webinar or whatever, um, they realize they don't necessarily have the equipment, let alone the lighting. And like everything shows up, <laughs> everything shows up and, and they, you just don't realize it until you see yourself and you hear yourself. And so one of the things that we've been able to do is, especially with our current clients, is that before they actually get on a uh, video conference, we help them with everything from sound to lighting to backgrounds, just to make sure it looks professional depending on what they want to do. And sometimes that means ordering the equipment for them and shipping it to them. And then doing a, a either a remote setup or if they're close by, we actually will show up to their home and set it up for them. So as your business has grown, um, where is it going? So it sounds like you're building a team. So tell us a little bit about the growth of your team. Um, and then what goals do you have for the future of your business and how to grow it and how to scale it? So I started off um, taking on team members because I was taking bigger and bigger events. And, you know, once you start talking about having more than two, 300 people in an event, there's just no way that one person can cover everything. And so you, for me, bringing on, um, you know, independent contractors, at least to start, was a great way to grow the business as I needed to or grow my team as I needed to. Um, during the summers, I do take on interns. Um, this summer was important to take on interns because so many other internship opportunities were no longer available. Um, so I was able to at least give an intern. And, and funny enough, the intern that I had this summer had nothing to do with photography. All he did was produce, he helped me produce content. So he's written a lot of blog posts. He's starting to write, he wrote um, all of my social media posts that you'll start seeing that are coming up this coming year. Um, and it was just, it's, it's interesting. It's trying to give other people or trying to take some stuff off of my plate. So I'm not trying to wear 17 hats. Um, and do everything myself because I think as a business as the business grows you realize you can't do everything by yourself you need to have other people there to help you and I always think of a you know as a small business owner if something ever happened to me would I still be able to meet contract that's the other thing of having associate photographers and other videographers there so for some reason physically I couldn't be at a location it would still get done I would still have a photographer, a videographer able to cover whatever I had on contract. That's gold and, and so important and so perceptive of you to, to really focus on that rather than being sort of the one we, we say in the finance industry, having all the key man risk and all that. So yes. good for you. So what's your vision for the business to the future? So right now is actually being able to do more passive income. It's when you ever start a business, especially for something that you've turned from a passion into a business, so much of it is on the creator, especially as the, an artist, everything is on you. But at some point, there's only so many hours in the day that I can give. And um, with my kids all doing virtual online schooling, the idea of passive income is a really big because my hours become crunched. I'm already working uh, weekends and nights to try to catch up. 
but it's unsustainable to do that on the long term. There's only so many hours a day. So more passive income and what we have is, you know, everything from templates to checklists to um, unfortunately, ever since uh, March, um, one of the hardest things that people have had to face is how to deal with grief in the time of COVID. And one of the things that we have taken on doing as a business is helping people um, either with, um, we've edited and done a lot more editing work. So I don't necessarily have to be on scene. And this is when people take photos of their loved ones that have passed. Um, and they need us to edit them, make them blow them up or put them into, you know, slideshows or videos um, so that they could have these memories. And, um, you know, they're not the, the most professional photos, but they still want them to look nice. That's one income stream that we've added that is less work, you know, in person for us. The other one is doing sympathy cards. Um, unfortunately, you know, you look, if you ever walk into a card store nowadays, you'll notice the sympathy card aisle is actually relatively empty. There isn't that many. So transitioning to those, we've done custom ones for clients because again, depending on um, the loved one that has passed, we've done custom ones. And then we've done, especially around um, Memorial Day weekend, that was a big one for people that couldn't visit the national and veteran cemeteries, being able to do custom uh, sympathy cards that people could send to families to say, we, we can't make it, but we'll still remember. So growing that to make them, you can still make them custom, but also other things that um, you can order, you know, stacks of sympathy cards. That's another thing that we've done that unfortunately has grown out of this past year, um, but has helped us out on the passive income side. Oh, I can't, I can't hear you, Joe, sorry. <laughs> Every significant event, you know, is always going to bring both challenges and opportunities. And he gave us a couple examples there of, um, you know, being to help, being able to help people, um, you know, sort of with with grief and memorialization. Yes. On the flip side, you got your kids at home. I'm sure they're they're the best well lit positioned kids in their school yeah. online. <laughs> yes. But um, <laughs> but I mean, are there any other positives or negatives that came out of COVID for you? And have any of them? fundamentally reshaped either your business or um, you know what you see as opportunities in the future? A big positive is actually starting to have my kids help work the business. Uh, that was a big one with having them at home. Everything from helping out with lighting or even um, my eldest, you know, she's great. She's starting off in graphic design. She's an incredible artist on her own, but she's much more familiar with the technology. So it's amazing to watch her editing work and how fast it is. So as she gets older, she'll definitely be my, um, probably my on-site editor. Um, but to have that experience as a family, knowing that even if they don't do photography or art as a business, letting them get to see what it's like to be an entrepreneur and just seeing that behind the scenes and that hustle and you know, that it doesn't matter what life throws at you, that you can, you can work. She has her own business as well. She does pet sitting, um, mowing lawns, you know, the stuff that you do as a teenager. Um, that's what she does uh, for neighbors. But it's interesting because she's like, I learned so much just watching how you do things. She's like, I know mine is small scale. And I said, that's how it starts. You know, the lemonade stands, the mowing the lawns. You learn how much your personal work, how much that actually yields. And then you learn the importance of passive income later. That, okay, if I can put little less hours, but still make money, what would that look like? Um, the other part is just being able to 
uh, pivot that I can change, you know, that I, it used to be when I moved, it was, I remember the first, our first overseas move and having to move the business with me, how hard it was for me to restart again. I think every challenge that you run into, you restart faster and faster because you're learning to be, it's okay that you kind of fall and you're going to have really bad months. Like I, I, the first two months I lost $10,000 in deposits that I didn't hold. I just said, told the clients, don't worry about it. Um, and that, I mean, that's a lot of lost income, but there, it will come back to you. And it, it has, because these are the same clients that as soon as the opportunities came back, they were the first phone calls and the first emails. You know, we want to hire you back. You know, we're, we're starting to open more events. So we're having more opportunities. And so, you know, before it would devastate me and I'm like, oh gosh, it's going to be another year before recovery. I feel that every challenge, especially this year, it's just taught me how to recover faster and pivot faster. Well, you have a great perspective, and that's clear by the way you approach things and describe things. Uh, is there some sort of leadership quote or visionary statement or something like that that drives you? My favorite recently that I still remember and is applicable today is from, uh, it's the Courage Formula from Nancy Belmont. Um, I remember she showed up on, um, on the Today Show on NBC, and she, she had this courage wall where people would talk about things that they were afraid of and put it out there in the world and things that they wanted to do. And her courage formula is when um, courage happens when your passion is greater than your fear. And I remember that because this is a business that I started from a passion. So no matter if I run into those things and I'm afraid, just know that, that it's passion that started this so always know that my passion is always greater than the fear. And to keep that in mind, no matter how hard things get, that that passion will always be there. And to just keep it, keep it lit, whether it's competitions, whether it's working with great clients, just keeping that passion alive so it always outweighs the fear. And then that way I'll have the courage to do whatever I need to get done. Trish, you have an incredible depth of experience, um, whether it's, you know, as a you know military veteran, as a spouse, um, you know as an entrepreneur, uh, as someone who's as you mentioned fallen and you know consistently mm -hmm. gotten up and done better. Um, if anyone's listening and they want to get in touch with you uh, to connect, ask some questions, what's the best way for them to do that? To go right to my website, www.soyourlife. Uh, S-O-Y-O-U-R-L-I-F-E.com. And you'll see right on that landing page all the ways you can connect with me. Thanks so much for joining us and, and taking the time and sharing with us. It's been great. All right. Thank you for having me again. It's been great talking with all of you. And we leave you today with a quote from Emma Jean Cunningham. Which of my photographs is my favorite? The one I'm going to take tomorrow. Thanks for joining us on the Financial Operating Base podcast. We'd love to hear from you, so send us your questions or feedback to financialoperatingbase at gmail.com.